Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I am your host, Mike Sandlin, and I thank you for joining us again. One of the reasons I started this, uh, these podcasts was to introduce men's leaders to other leaders to help us understand the tools that are available to us as we minister to men. It is hard for a man starting a men's ministry uh, leader or as a men's ministry leader to connect and understand the resources that are available to help engage and encourage the men in their church and community. I know that that was a struggle that I had when I first began in ministering to men. But on this program, we're going to be speaking with one of the founders of Uprint, a portable faith community that helps us understand God's fingerprints on the world through ours. What are you? Why are you still here after you have been saved? And the process where the portable faith community can make it simple. My guest is Matt Ham, and now let me tell you a little bit about Matt as we welcome him onto the program. Matt is an accomplished speaker, author, and a small business owner. In 2013, he began writing about the challenges and adventures as a father while learning how to navigate the tensions between faith, family, and career. In his first book, Redefine Rich, A New Perspective on the Good Life, was released in January of 2015 and provides a shift in how we view wealth in our pursuit of it. With clients ranging from the corporate community to nonprofit organizations and faith community, Matt connects with audiences about bridging the gaps between the two, who we are and what we do, and the purpose we long for, encouraging a more holistic lifestyle. In 2016, along with partner Kevin Adams, Matt helped found the YouTube Corporation, an entrepreneurial kingdom-minded, socially responsible organization whose mission is to help individuals live the life of impact they were created for. And Matt is also a founding member of the Life Center, an innovative charitable movement to help people discover and develop their unique human potential. Matt and his wife, Liz, live in Wilmington, North Carolina with their five children. Matt, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you being on the program. Hey, absolutely, Mike. I had a good conversation with Matt here just a number of days ago, and, and I hope we're I hope he'll share a lot of the stuff we were talking about here to, today on this program. But Matt, before we really get into the meat of the of talking about what you do in YouTube and your other adventures that you're going on, I want to ask you a couple of questions, which we do with all our people uh, that we have on the program. And the first question is, what is that one verse that you consider maybe your, your favorite verse or your best verse or verse that you hang your hat on in ministry? Uh, or maybe even from the ministry of your uh, of your corporation. And what what is that verse, and why is that verse so meaningful to you? Yeah, um, you know the the Bible is uh, it's it's new every time I'm in it, and and that's what I love about it. I, I have uh, I've had a long relationship with the Word um, growing up in the South. I think we talked about the fact that I grew up in Awanas and uh, was adept at verse memorization from a from a young age, and so um, you know I. I I always resonated with uh, Matthew five sixteen. Um, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and praise Ooh. your Father in heaven. And that verse was always at the bottom of my emails through like high school and college. You know, like Matthew five sixteen, Matthew five sixteen. Um, but again, it, 
I wouldn't say it's a it's a favorite verse. It's just one that gives me context for the purpose of why I'm here is to be a conduit for, um, you know, the glory of God uh, to be expressed on the earth and that, that he would receive glory through that. And, and I would say um, more more recently, I have really attached myself um, to First Thessalonians 5, 16, I think 16, 17. Um, it says, be joyful, always pray continually and give thanks in all things for this is the will of God for you in Christ mm -hmm. Jesus. And, right. um, you know, I think the will of God for a lot of men specifically is this far off yonder thing that maybe one day I get it, or maybe I'm operating in it. Maybe I'm not, but it's just a reminder that God's will is actually uh, to be joyful, to be in constant community with him. Um, and to have a heart full of gratitude and thanksgiving for who he is. So um, anyway, I, I cheated. I gave you two, but that, there's two. That's okay. There's not a problem with that. If you've asked me that question, I'd give you two, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I know that it's, it's hard to sometimes just pick one verse in Scripture to say, that's the verse I hang everything, because there's so many so many teachings that uh, yeah. uh, God gives us through the Scriptures for us to apply into our lives. And, uh, I, and I will say apply all those. I will say this to um, a couple of years ago, as I was in the midst of my own, you know, kind of spiritual journey, um, Isaiah 61 ministered to me tremendously and it just started to unpack and open up. Of course, that's the first message that Jesus uh, is recorded that Jesus taught from, um, mm -hmm. I think in Luke four, you know, he, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. Right. Um, and, and, and again, I, I love um, what it says in, in verse three that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Very similar to Matthew 5, 16, but it's this prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus. Um, right. that, that, that's what he's going to do is build up oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display, display of the splendor of God. And that was a big part of my call to get into what I would call ministry um, and, and the way that we do ministry. So, um, you know, a little bit of a side note there. Yeah, that's good, and we'll 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 explore that in, here in just a little bit. But but yeah. I'd like for you to, uh, uh, if you would, also share uh, how did you come to Christ? How did what, hmm. how did you realize your need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, I have a really interesting relationship and perspective with the institutional church. Um, and, and I would say that I am deeply grateful for the foundation that church provided in my life. Um, yet I have very strong convictions about where the church is now and, and where the mm -hmm. Lord is going. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times I think when when people hear me speak and even if I preach from a pulpit, sometimes um, I'm, I'm not I'm not here to build up a system or an institution um, we're here for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And I see the kingdom of God um, and its church being two different entities. And so as a kid, though, you don't know these things. And so I grew up in the Methodist church. I always joke that uh, denominations are like primary colors. Um, and if you mix them, you get another color. <laughs> you know, if, you, if, you, if you mix blue and red. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot yeah. of truth to that. <laughs> if you mix blue and red, you get purple, right? And so yeah. um, my mom was Episcopalian. My dad was Baptist. And I guess that made me a Methodist. And so um, a very true story. My mom was Episcopalian. My dad grew up Southern Baptist. And they made the compromise in their own 
uh, faith journey when when I was a, a child to to be involved in the Methodist Church, and so I grew up in that in that environment. Was baptized as an infant in the Methodist Church. Went to Sunday school in the Methodist Church, and then probably around. I don't know, six or seven years old, I got involved in an Awana program, which is basically, I would say, a, a, a Bible Cub Scouts kind of environment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I um, I always had an awareness of um, God in the sense of something bigger um, and greater than myself. Mm-hmm. And I always just probably compliantly just said, OK, well, this is the God they're talking about at church or whatever. And and so. I always believed, I can't tell you there was a moment of salvation. I used to always get mad too. When you'd hear guys give their testimony, like September 22nd, 1987, you know, (laughs) I was sitting on the porch and I'm like, okay, man, like, you know, that didn't happen for me. I mean, I had probably multiple experiences as a kid when there was a true, like eager repentance of like, man, I'm, I'm not living the way I think I'm supposed to God. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And I want you in my heart. And I probably did that up until I was 13, but there was a distinct moment when I was 13 or so. I'd gone on a missions trip uh, with a with a kind of a youth group that I was a part of. And we were down in Myrtle Beach on, on kind of a getaway. And I just remember they told us to go have some quiet time. And I just remember getting alone. And I went and laid in the grass and I looked up at the vastness of the stars. And I just really in that moment felt the overwhelming sense of God. Um, but even still through high school, you know, I was involved in campus. Crusade, I mean, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Young Life and it was all ceremonial, though. It was all ceremonial. It was, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, if you're a, if you're a church kid or a Christian in the South, you're involved in these programs and these activities and these right. organizations. Right. And I just did. I just did that. And I would yeah. say that the it's kind of like, Lord, it's kind of like following, following the group, doing doing everything else the group was doing that you're associated with. Wasn't yeah. It? It, and it was personal, and I and I realized it and recognized it. But I have a really dynamic, um, like one of the things that that Kevin, uh, who's my business partner, has taught me, was the difference between knowing Jesus and knowing the Father, and being mm. filled with the Spirit. And yeah. I think a lot of times the modern American church has overhyped Jesus, if I can say that. Um, what I mean by that is Jesus is the name above all names. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. He is our God. He's our brother. He's our, He's everything. He's the way, the truth, the life. We know this in Scripture. But Jesus said, if you read the book of John, Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but the one who sent me. The right. entirety of Jesus' life was to point people to the Father. Right. right. And so I, I that was a journey that didn't happen for me to really start to understand the heart of a father. And then the father is the one who grants the spirit. You know, again, read the book of John, you know, in the upper room, Jesus teaching the father will send the spirit after I send. And when you when you when you get to know the father, the father is who imparts identity to a man and to a woman. And when you get to know the father, the identity of God begins to be revealed in you as he grants you the spirit, which confirms the call, which guides you and leads you and completes the work. And so growing up in the Methodist church, you don't talk about being spirit filled. In fact, a lot of modern denominations don't really talk about being filled with the spirit. It's more of this idea of, oh yeah, Holy Spirit's over there. And it's like high five, but actually to embrace the, the reality of being filled with the spirit and begin to live by the leading of the spirit is an entirely different thing. And that process probably didn't begin for me 
until 2013. And of course, there were moments along the way where I realized God was speaking and he was leading me, but it was not an active lifestyle where I was daily saying, okay, spirit of God, um, lead me, speak to me, guide me, what it is, you know, that you, you have for me. And so again, another long winded answer, but kind of walking people through the dynamic of, I do not think Jesus is enough, not for salvation. Jesus is enough for salvation. Do not mistake what I'm saying, but there's more than Jesus. And the more than Jesus is what I believe the institutional church and most men are missing. And that is a pass through to the feet of the father. So you can have the identity imparted to you by him and be filled with his spirit because it's a three in one God, not a one in one God. And, and so Jesus is everything. But we have to get beyond Jesus to the Father, receive the Spirit. And, of course, the Spirit always testifies back to Jesus. Yeah. And so it's this beautiful dynamic. So, again, not to get theological, but that's just the way that I see that that working. Well, it's the whole process of Jesus. Jesus was, was to bring us to the Father. He, he, that's, that's his whole purpose. He had a purpose here on this earth. He, the Father sent him down. <clears throat> to do to do what he has sent him down and he is to 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 lead us back to the father and yes. so yeah i think we do need to have those times when we are really in, in uh in the word of god and understanding who god is and allow his image to to reflect in our lives his character his attributes his his, uh, his whole being to be uh be in our lives um uh, thanks thanks for sharing that man i appreciate that uh now you said 13 about 13 2013 is when you fully realized uh your need your 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 relationship there is that when it was yeah well i think 2013 was was when i went from spiritual milk to spiritual meat um uh, you know, I, I think that i think that i was i i would say that i had an, a sincere belief in Jesus as the incarnate son of God, that he was crucified, dead, buried, raised from the dead, kind of the, the, the dynamic of salvation right. when I was a, a young kid, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And then 13, you know, kind of confirmed that with some experiences, but I was probably 32 or 33 years old before I started to understand the, the real dynamic of the Holy Spirit imparted right. by the Father. And that was what I would call spiritual maturity or spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. um, and and that was that was when my life began to dynamically shift um, in, in regards to how I made decisions, um, you know, how I lived each day, what my pursuits were, et cetera. Yeah, you made an interesting statement about uh, transfer from spiritual meat, uh, spiritual milk to spiritual meat. Right. And I was just having a conversation uh, just yesterday, in fact, with a couple of men, and we were talking about that same thing that so many of our people are in our in our ch churches today are still trying to live off of spiritual milk, mm -hmm. and they've been they've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, and they're not moving beyond that. And, and, and there's wondering why they're having such a difficult time and struggling in their life. And it's because they're not fully taking in the meat of the word. Now they should be way beyond that spiritual milk in their lives. Yeah. I mean, think we, we, we use a topic here and this was a radio bar broadcast of ours is um, sp stepping into spiritual puberty, right? Um, something happens in men and women at a certain age where they begin to step into adulthood and it is a right. physical change in them of puberty. Mm -hmm. And we have to go through a spiritual puberty, a growing up, 
it, it's all throughout Paul's letters. If you read his epistles, I mean, it's everywhere where he is just drawing these people in Galatia and Ephesus and Corinth. And he's he's calling them into spiritual maturity, calling them into adulthood. And, and I think that it's largely misunderstood by many. So they don't know what it means. And they think that it means read your Bible more or be better behaved. And it's not. It's actually embrace who God made you to be. Um, you know, one of the questions that that men are often asked or, or told by their fathers in this generation is show them what you're made of. Right. And it's this idea. Stand up, boy. Show them what you're made of. Right. And no, you need to show them what you're made for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and men have to realize that you were made for a purpose that no one else in the world can fill. Your life was created to solve a problem that God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He doesn't make junk. He only makes genius. And so stepping into spiritual maturity is the process of a church word sanctification, right? right. Um, right. That, that has to happen. If you are compelled enough by the blood of Jesus, it's it's this idea that too many of us, and I for many years did, we live in order to get into heaven instead of living as if heaven is in us. And it's this, it's this dynamic difference of bringing heaven to earth through us instead of longing someday, you know, if and when, then, you know, maybe I can get in. You know, it's a culturally the way we even understand or talk about heaven is not a biblical concept. Um, You know, we were we were placed here to be God's plan and purpose to infiltrate this place for his kingdom. And so we are we are either aligning with him, partnering with him, co-laboring with him to that end. Mm-hmm. Or we are laboring toward another end. Mm-hmm. And those are the difficult questions that we have to ask. But that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts, not guilt, not shame, not fear. That's not how God works. He convicts, and it says he draws all men to himself. Yep. Yep. And I love that. It's, it's this idea that Jesus is attractive, not in physical attractiveness. He's attraction, like magnetic. Yeah, right. He's attractive, not promotional. And so often we're like, you know, promoting Jesus as if he's like the cool kid, you know, it's like, come, come hang out with Jesus. No, but we, we have a compulsion in our spirit when we understand our brother, Christ Jesus, that draws us into relationship with him through him to the father. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk about you print a little bit. Yeah. What is you print? How did that come about? <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of a strange name for, you know, to me, that's kind of a strange name for a ministry, but, uh, yeah. uh yeah. How's that all about what, and why you print? Yeah. So, so, you know, in, in the journey, um, I was, uh, very successful in the business world. I had an insurance agency and, you know, was making all the money I wanted to make had built our dream home and was always looking at business coaches and, and, and very involved in the church teaching at the church even, but I had this longing for more, this idea that there's something in my life that I was meant for that I'm not doing. And I ended up meeting um, a gentleman, Kevin Adams, um, who was an author and um, accomplished writer. And he was, interestingly enough, moving to my hometown of Wilmington. And it was just a God connection. We were connected multiple times. And when he and I started meeting for coffee, he spoke about things that I had never heard anybody speak about before. 
And it was it was some of these concepts, these ideas of of stepping into purpose. And, you know, a lot of times the word purpose is is used in business books. And it's, you know, and and think about think about uh, Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, you know, Um, and then, you know, the five steps to your greatest life. I mean, all of these power books, but none of them were effective. And the church kind of shies away from that because it's more about the, the righteousness of God and behavioral but Kevin was talking to me about stuff and I was like, man, and so he began to mentor me and um, we just saw the Lord calling us to to build and create a discipleship organization that had the capacity to uh, um, distribute, um, produce content and media, both in an individual forum and in a corporate forum that is for the purpose of leadership development, personal development, and faith development. And so it it was kind of a a hybrid organization. Uh, The concept is to bridge the gap between Sundays. It's not about where you go on Sundays. It's about how you are being led between Sundays and who you are becoming between Sundays. And so you print the literal name came from a word that the Lord gave Kevin. Um, the Lord had spoken to Kevin about the, the word blueprints um, and, and really helping write discipleship material that would be a blueprint of discipleship, helping someone mm-hmm. step into discipleship. And so we, we initially had this idea blueprints for life was was kind of the, the concept. And you know, I got to talking to a cousin, my cousin, who is a marketing genius. And I was telling him, I said, man, this guy's changing my life. And, you know, we're, we're, we're working on this blueprint book or whatever. And he said, what about you print? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, think about it. You print. And, and he was like, I like that. And I was like, okay. So I took it back to Kevin. I said, Hey, Kevin, my cousin said this thing about you print. And he went, huh? And then all of a sudden it was almost immediately. God said, I leave my fingerprints on the world through yours. You know, everybody has a distinct thumbprint. Yeah, yeah. I just want you to explain that a little bit because I know that's one of the things that y'all have on your websites. One to three. In yeah. fact, I want to go through all three of those things. Yeah. So talk so, about that fingerprints uh, on the God's fingerprints on the world through yours. Yeah. So the idea is that if God made you, He made your fingerprint, and He made that fingerprint unique. And there's seven right. billion people on the planet, and they're all different. And so just as your fingerprint is unique, so is his imprint on you and your imprint on the world. And so God placed his DNA inside of you. When it says that you're fearfully, wonderfully made, I mean, it's not lying. Like you were crafted in your mother's womb. There's so many verses that talk about being made for such a time as this, right? Mm -hmm. Or the works um, beforehand, right? That Mm -hmm. were made. And and so this idea is that God placed something in you that he wants the world to experience through you. And if you've ever eaten like a, a cake by someone who was just made to bake, right? Or you've ever experienced a haircut by somebody who is just brilliant at, at hairstyle, or you've ever worked with a professional um, in any kind of capacity, and or you see a great athlete performing their function, you're like, that person was made for that thing. And, and they are literally living out their U-print. And so the U-print is a distinct expression of God in and through each person that includes your physical geography. It's So it's your gift set, right? It's your anointing, as we call it. We actually have a teaching. It's, it's called the AGE model. It's anointing first, then your gifts, then your effort. You see, the world says work hard, do what you love, 
and then you will be blessed. That that's effort, gifts, anointing, right? Or or effort, works, and blessing. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom says you have been blessed. There's nothing you can do to earn it. And you have been given gifts that you were called to express. Now use those gifts to my glory. So it's anointing gifts and effort. That's the kingdom way of living. The problem is, is most people have not spent the difficult process of understanding their anointing, what their gift is, right? What their anointing is, what their gift is, what their purpose is, what their Uprint is. And so Uprint is our media company, basically. It owns our content. It teaches our content. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's evolved, you know, early on it was, um, you know, we, we led with that. And now we've actually developed a new organization called Fearless that is kind of a product line. And so Uprint's kind of underneath it. But anyway, that's the that's the baseline or the history, if you will, of Uprint. Yeah, super. And, and, and I know there's a lot of things are happening. On, I, hear, I hear and see a lot of things about, about Uprint. But what about this Fearless thing? You were just talking about Fearless. So speak on speak on that a little bit. Yeah. So, so you print for us, like I said, it started out as this discipleship organization, but listen, when you're in the South and you tell people, they say, what do you do? And you say, we disciple. Like, <laughs> what? You disciple. What's that? You know, yeah. uh, isn't that a church thing? You know, do, do you guys have a church? And we're like, okay, what do you mean by that? You know, and everybody, if Mike, if I had a, a dollar bill for everybody, about time somebody's told me to start a church. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, and, and for us, you know, we wanted to be the church and and to be the church deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea of of without walls, right, between Sundays. And and granted, do not neglect the gathering of the saints, period, right? We have to gather together to, to submit ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, prophets, to break bread together. Corporate gathering is wonderful. And, and the modern church does a great job at corporate gathering or events, productions, evangelism to a degree. But I think anyone who is in the modern American system would say that one of the greatest struggles of uh, church is the process of discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. so you Uprint was created to help become a discipleship mechanism. And listen, I'm not trying to be arrogant. We know there's other organizations that put materials out. We get we get all that. Um, and, and so what we're trying to say, though, is we're stepping into this in a in a modern sense from a king. It's like my parents. My parents were involved in a Methodist church years ago, and they were in a disciple program. That's what it was called. Disciple one, two, three, four. And they left there going, you know, it was good, but these videos were made in 1972. You know, it was like archaic. They put them in a VCR thing that they rolled out, you know, and and we're in a, a rapidly advancing digital age where God has given us technology to use. And what are we doing or how are we using it? You know, and, and so kind of our heart was to to bring this to earth now for this moment. But people didn't understand it because they want to put you in a box. I'll tell you what people always want to put you in a box of their own understanding. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and that's one of these things in culture. It's like, oh, well, I mean, and, and I'm going to be a little bit blunt here, but let me just be honest. People are like, oh, you're white. Well, you must hate black people. 
because you know that's what white people do is they hate black people right that that's a that's a narrative that that is portrayed on us for culture right mm-hmm. you know or you're you're uh you're baptist that much that's much mean must mean you're judgmental you know or you're episcopalian that's must mean you're an alcoholic or whatever i mean i'm being real candid here because you know we got to break through the 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 niceties and and start recognizing that um culture wants to indoctrinate us to their narrative and we are called to live to the glory of God outside of that narrative. And and so when people want to shove you in all these boxes, you know, you you can't be afraid of, of doing what it is that you've been called to do. And so for us, you print was that thing. However, you take the leading of the Lord and you start to go, okay, how can we be more expressive in our mission and heart? and bring something to the table that is excellent in every way that helps fund the work that we do. So we're not dependent, right, upon Mm -hmm. donations only to sustain ourselves. And so we created the Fearless Trading Company. And the idea was to unite fearless people because there's a lot of things in culture right now that are trying to be shoved down our throats. Um, and, and listen, I'm not here to get on a pulpit and, and, and a soapbox, but when you look at everything from mandates, think about that word mandates. It's a, it's a man, uh, instituting something. We have a biblical thing that we have to honor. And, and again, it's, it's not to get on an issue, but it's saying we have to have the conviction to live by what God says instead of the fear of what people say. And it doesn't mean we doesn't mean we don't obey a law, but there is a higher moral law that is beyond the law of the land that we have to understand Um, and and, and go even further. You know what I mean? Like what Hitler did. I was reading Martin Luther King's letter from a Birmingham prison the other day, and he said everything Hitler did in, in, in Nazi Germany in the 30s and early 40s was absolutely legal. It was legal for him to do that. So you don't go along with it because it was legal, you know, because they passed laws to discriminate Jews. You don't. That's crazy. You know, and Martin Luther King had that same conviction when he stood up against segregation, you know. And so we have certain things that I feel like the church is being called to stand up against. And and fearless is us saying, listen, we are fearless you know, to the world, because God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love and self-control like this first Timothy, what, uh, six or something like that, five. Um, And so fearless, it was a it was a it was a brand that carried this heart of standing up and bringing fearless people together to to fiercely move forward for the gospel. Because, listen, our kids right now are being indoctrinated in the public school systems to accept things that are not biblical truth. And so we either take a stand to teach them biblical truth and who they are instead of letting them be indoctrinated to a culture that lets them choose their gender, mm. that, 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 that teaches them things like critical race theory. And listen, you know what? If I make people mad, that's fine. Be mad somewhere else because I don't have time to argue this. I have deep conviction that we have to stand up in this generation and, and stand on the word and lead people toward that purpose. And so fearless is a brand with that kind of like ferocity and it stands up and it's not pointing fingers or throwing rocks. It's just saying we're not going to budge. And so we do that through um, an incredible coffee program. 
Uh, we've got boutique kind of craftsmanship industries that we're birthing where we'll take somebody who is a, a skilled woodworker or they make, you know, homemade foods, uh, truffles, salsa, hot sauce, etc. And it's part of the fearless brand. And we're working on a physical location. But fearless for us is a way to put something in the marketplace um, that is excellent in every way, that's honoring to the Lord and it's good business. But it's for the purpose of teaching and leading the next generation. So the resources that are produced are, are there to help create curriculum to teach biblical identity. Yeah, man. You know, that's one of the things that uh, you talk about, what you just said, leading the next generation, is that I think we, my, my generation, has failed to do over the years is to pour our lives into that next generation and ministering to them in the way they need to do. I have a saying that I say a lot of times when I'm talking to people about churches and what churches ministries are all about. I say, we often tell people what to do, but we don't mm. train them how to do it. So we, That's we right. so I often say uh, they're often told, but rarely trained. And, and so they say, you tell me I'm supposed to do this. Well, how do I do it? And, mm -hmm. and that's the reason why I'm, I'm glad that you are doing certain things and helping us to understand the importance of being able to pour into lives, being able to open it up so they can expand their knowledge, understand their knowledge on, on that relationship with God. You know, it's more than just sure. the Jesus thing. It's, it's a God thing that you've got to allow the Holy Spirit also to minister into your life. It's the Trinity, like you said earlier. It's the Trinity. Right. It's not just one. So right. That's super. I got a question for you. And it's on yes, your sir. website, and um, you know, and I want kind of want you to kind of, and I know this can this can kind of lengthen out too, but uh, you got a question there. It says, "Why are you still here after you've been saved?" Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's Kevin Adams right there, hundred um, percent. That's one of the questions that he was challenged and asked by the Lord um, or, or presented by the Lord when he was in his journey. Um, you know, he, he went through a very difficult 10 year period um, of preparation. Um, he, he, and again, if anybody's interested, his book is called the extravagant fool and it was published by Zondervan in 2014. And it tells the journey of uh, how his faith journey began where common sense ended. And so he, he had been a good committed Christian man for years. Um, but in the process, he learned about surrendered Christianity and mm. the, the, it's kind of a, you know, he, he was reading George Mueller and he said, if George Mueller did it back then, can it be done now? And he was kind of like, Lord, I built it on my own and I lost it all. So you're going to have to build this one and went through a crazy, crazy journey. But one of the things that he presented when we initially began mentoring is that question. And see, here's the, here's the deal. Jesus taught in parables. Right. Okay. And Jesus asked a lot of questions. Okay. And one of the cornerstones of how we engage discipleship is by answering or asking challenging questions. And in addition to that, creating metaphors, parables, that draw you in because a parable is this idea. If, if people can see a screen, great. If they can't think of a circle on the top, it has an arc and then it has an arc underneath. Right. right and that's right. Hebraic thinking. It's cyclical thinking, right? It's the tides. It's the sunrise. It's the moonrise. It's the orbit of the planets. It's how cells rotate around one another. 
God created us in a parabolic state. He's a parabolic God. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. He's not a linear logical God. He's not bound by logic. He created it. And so too often we think of our, our salvation as getting people into heaven when that re in reality is the beginning. That's not the end. The end goal of the life of faith is not getting someone saved. Jesus has already done that. That is, it is finished. The idea is getting heaven into people. So why are you still here after you've been saved? The only logical, I mean, excuse me, the only conclusion for someone who lives by logic is the way I meant to say that is, well, there's something left for me to do. Because if you've achieved it and you got into heaven, then go on home. Right. But that's not the case. So the only answer to that from a logical thinker is, why are you still here? That there is purpose beyond salvation for the life of every individual. Well, we we often hear that. And so the answer to that question, if you ask a, a church person or a Bible person, why are you still here after you've been saved? Their answer is to. Go into the nation and make disciples, right? right. Evangelize and make disciples. Yeah, that's what most. Yeah. yeah, that's what most people would say. Why are you still here after you say, "Well, to evangelize and make disciples"? Okay, great. Yep, that's the Great Commission. How do you do that? Uh, well, I mean, I guess you walk them down the Romans Road. I mean, you know what I mean. So we, we've we've kind of like formulaically put this. So the answer to the question, "Why are you still here?" is to evangelize and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You leave his fingerprints on the world through yours. You become who he's created you to be to his glory, to bring heaven to earth through your genius, through your anointing. Mm. And so the greatest form of evangelism is not a guy on a pulpit talking about Jesus. It's someone who is living out who God made them to be for his glory. And, and that's where we've got to get because Culture is shifting very rapidly right now, and a mass of people don't know who they are or what they were made for. And God's greatest purposes are found when people live from the place of what they were made for. Think about this. Every hero in faith. I love, man. Go read, uh, go read Hebrews 11, right? The Hall of Fame of Faith. And look at these people. Look at what they did. They were made for that moment. David was made to stand up to Goliath. He was made to become king. You know, God knew he was going to become king before Samuel ever anointed him. You know what That's I'm right. saying? I mean, he, right. he knew it ahead of time. You know, look at look at Esther. You know, this whole idea of Mordecai saying you were created for such a time as this. Moses was made to lead God's people, and he knew it when he was 20 or 40 and killed the Hebrew. You know what I mean? Or killed the Egyptian and buried him in the desert. He knew that he wanted to 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 fight for the freedom of his people. He just didn't know how to do it yet. You know, and, and so you, you see the heroes of faith knowing that they have been made for something and God walking with them intimately through their own shortcomings, through their own preparation, through their own trials, so that they would not compromise on the call of their heart. And again, we are either, you know, look at Peter and Judas, okay? Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus. They both did. Judas turned him over. Peter denied him three times. 
There is no difference in what those two men did, period, end of story. But we don't see that. We, we look at Peter and Judas. Oh, Judas did something that was awful. Peter just denied him. No, they both betrayed Jesus. Right. But it was Peter who returned. Judas couldn't return because of his own shame and guilt, and he hung himself in that shame and guilt because he had been handed over to the enemy, because he had been handed over to shame and guilt. Peter came back to the Lord. And, and he repented, and you see him in John 21 jumping out of the boat. And that's why Jesus said, okay, now you have been prepared through your trial to inherit and step into who I made you to be. And, of course, we know Peter was the one who stood up at Pentecost and let it fly. And, you know, thousands of people came to the knowledge of the Lord and were filled with the Spirit, and the church was birthed. And so we can't avoid the, the preparation of the Father through our own difficulties and trials. And we've, we've grown accustomed to insulating ourselves from uh, discomforts or difficulties instead of embracing them as part of birthing out our purpose. It's like, listen, I, I have five kids and I was in, we only had four pregnancies because we have twins. Um, and I was in the delivery room with all four births. It ain't a pretty process. <laughs> it ain't beautiful. It, it's brutal and it's loud and it's ugly. But oh, yeah. what comes out of it is wonderful. And yep. so the same is true of us. God wants to birth something through you, and it's going to squeeze you out of that birth canal, and it's going to about kill you in the process. But when you come through it, now you are alive. And we have to be people who are willing to be birthed. That's that idea of born again. Think about that. Why would he use that process, born again? Because God is a, he is squeezing his purpose out of you, and it's the people who resist it that miss it. Oh, man. Yeah, that is so true. And, and I wish we could continue this, this conversation going on. You, you're sharing a lot of insightful information that people need to take to heart and really digest and think about and as, they're, as they're continuing their growth in, in, in with, their, uh, with their Heavenly Father. And, and I appreciate, Matt, you sharing all this. We're coming up on our time, so we got to kind of start wrapping this up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 like I said, I'd love for us to continue going, and maybe we'll have you on back on sometime in the future, and we could continue this conversation. But uh, I would like for you right now, if you would, just share how people can get up with you or, or Kevin if they if they want to hear more about what y'all are doing, or yeah. just have a conversation with you guys. What? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so so we're in the middle of a massive transition ourselves. You know, we had a radio broadcast for the last three or four years called Wake Up Our Faith, where it was kind of a weekly discipleship program. Um, we are actually in the process of launching, uh, relaunching in a new podcast format um, that'll start at the beginning of February, and it's going to be tied to our brand Fearless. And so Fearless Trading company.com is kind of going to become the place of where fearless people can land. Um, and then you print Y O U P R I N T dot L I F E you print dot life is kind of the you print brand. And I often tell people of it like this is, you know, um, you print is kind of the production company that, that produces the movie. And then fearless is kind of the movie that people watch. So people don't really pay attention to the production company. They see the movie, but we also have a nonprofit called the life center. Mm. And the life center is um, really about helping people discover and develop that gifting. And that's where our discipleship happens. And, and that, that that's accessed through the uprint.life. But my email is matt at uprint.life 
or you can reach out at info at uprint.life. But our vision is is ultimately for a a kingdom minded um, campus style facility that is the life center that is about the the purposes of teaching people how to step into who God's made them to be. So it'll teach vocational trade. There'll be farm to table. There'll be transitional housing. There'll be gathering space. Um, there'll be, you know, uh, prayer rooms, healing rooms. There'll be all kinds of stuff. We have this bu- huge vision and that's, that's the long-term vision. You know, the, the, the as, as the uh, business minded folks might call it a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. That's the God sized right. dream right. for us is the life center. But we're starting with, with fearless, you know, we have it. Th- this is where I would, encourage people to check out. So we know that discipleship is God's answer, period. It's what we're called to do, make disciples. And so we do that in a variety of ways. But the main way that we do it is invite invite people to participate with us um, by becoming a, a member of the Portable Faith Community, right? And the Portable Faith Community is a digital uh, content hub of discipleship. So basically, um, we have a coffee and de- de- uh, devotional subscription. So it's a forty dollar a month nonprofit tax deductible contribution to the Life Center. And you get two bags of 100% organic um, Arabica coffee delivered right to your door. And then you get discipleship access to daily devotionals, teaching videos and content. And then you get preferred access if you want one-to-one discipleship through through that program. And that coffee and devotional program can be found at uprint.life. And for folks who are just looking for coffee, we've got two bags of coffee a month as a, a tax-deductible contribution at $30 or $29.95 or whatever it is. And then we also have a devotional-only um, which is the portable faith community. And that's $10 a month. And we actually send text messages out every single morning at 5 30 AM. And it's an encouragement to start your day off. Right. And it's kind of discipleship broken down into bite-sized nuggets. Right. You know, they talk about milk to meat. You got to eat the filet, but you can't eat the whole steak at one time. You cut it up into little pieces and you savor it. And so we've broken discipleship down into this process of daily devotionals, daily thoughts, daily challenges, meditative thoughts. And then we have content and curriculums and resources on top of that. And then, of course, the one-to-one expression. And I I do some stuff here in Wilmington called Faith in Business, where we gather business people. Uh, We're getting ready to start launching some fearless events. And and so anybody who's interested to have a deeper conversation or wants to step in, I just threw the, the kitchen sink at you. But that's kind of what we've got going on. Yeah, yeah, they uh, appreciate that, Matt, and and, and I do appreciate. It. So, folks, if you want to know more about what Matt and Kev, Kevin is doing with uh, with their ministries, you can reach out to them at youprint.life. Uh, now, understand that's not .com, it's not .org, it's youprint.life, or or you can go to fearlesstradingcompany.com and you can get that. Or if you want to email Matt, he just gave you his email address, which is matt at youprint.life. Matt, I appreciate you coming on. appreciate you sharing us. And we will have you back on and at some time in the future. And we'll talk more about what all, what all is happening with your ministry and where you're headed as you launch this new endeavor back in February. As we close this program, I want to encourage you to check out my book, uh, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry. You can find it on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. And be sure to leave us a, a review when you uh, uh, after you've read the book, it would be greatly appreciated. Now, thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations. Intentional Conversation is a production for Cake for Your Men 
a men's ministry coalition. If you enjoyed the show, the program, I encourage you to share this with somebody else. Let them, let them know about it and uh, just pass it on. I'm sure they would enjoy that. To learn more about us as Cape Fear Men, you can you can reach out to capefearmen.net or you can email me at mike.salen at capefearmen.net. Now, as I leave you with this blessing that a mentor used to pray over me every time we met together, he said, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. So this is Mike Salen saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversations with Mike Salen.